are still working our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. Pastor Rick kind of kicked us off into a new section. Kind of this deep in the book, the final couple chapters, Paul spends a lot of time talking about spiritual gifts, and we're kind of continuing in that section. It starts off with all these. That's the passage. You've got to remember the context. These are kind of spiritual gifts, all the unique blend of folks and how they're gifted. That's what it's talking about. That's the section we're in. We're in chapter 12. We're going to start with verse 11, and we're going to take it all the way through to the end of the chapter. It's a little bit of a bigger passage, but man, I want to remind us, this is the Word of God. Whether it's five verses or 50, would we attune to it? Because this isn't just good advice from a spiritual teacher. This is the very Word of God, and I want us to treat it that way as we turn our attention whether it be on the screens or you're following along as I read in your own Bible, let's turn now to 1 Corinthians 12. We'll start in verse 11. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the, the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, the sense of hear, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it that there may be no division in the body, and that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And hopefully you can kind of hear the rhetorical no in that list. Do all have the same gift or all the same no? There are all these different parts that are unique but not the same. And so what he's having us do, right? 
he is painting a picture for us of how should we see the church. How should we as Christians view the church of Christ? We did a series, kind of the creed series, a little bit ago, and we kind of did a topical, systematic view of what the church is, of defining it. Right? It is the called out of God's redeemed, the community of God's redeemed. You have to remember that. When you think of the church, think who, not what. When we say the church, don't think of this. It's not the building. But how often do we say that, right? I'm going to the church, we mean the building. It's not a what, it's a who. When we say church, oftentimes you probably said it this morning. Let's get ready, let's go to church. A lot of times the totality of church for us means going to one hour of worship a week. The church is so much more than that. So how should we view the church, this community of God's redeemed? And this week is different. It's not a proper kind of definition, but it is kind of giving us a picture of how we should view it. And I'll give you a kind of a little insight. This week, I unnecessarily toiled over this. Because as a pastor, I stress out about alliterating things. That's a part of it for me. And illustrating things. Right? I want to illust- find what's a good illustration for this. You know, and Jesus did that. Look at the birds of the air. And so I was stressing, like, man, what's a good illustration for the church? Man, how can I compare it to something? And finally, I'm like, it's kind of like a body. It's not new to me. It's right in the passage, right? He just unpacks the church. It's kind of like a body. And so that really freed me up. And I'm thinking, like, it's like a mosaic, all beautiful. Okay, how should we, particularly if you are a Christian, view the church? He says, view it as a body. I like that picture there. One, because it kind of has all the parts listed out. So when we think of a body, we think of all the different parts, right? Head, shoulders, knees and toes. Knees and toes, right? Eyes, I, you got to just, it comes out so natural. You think of all the different parts of the body, but when you look at that picture, do you see many or do you see one? And it's kind of the passage that's going in. Look, there are many members, right? And it said it right there. Though they are many, they are one. He's pointing to the beautiful unity of the body of Christ. As Americans, we are horrid at this. More than any culture throughout all time, we are so individualistic. It's about me and mine. So much we got to push, right? There ain't no I in team, right? We got to see kind of the push towards the unity. I kind of thought this was really interesting because I think it's the same with the church. Like we think of so much, I mean, there's diversity, all the different things, but we got to think of the unity. I actually like this, I like this quote. Let's read this together. It is not It is unity, not uniformity. Unity dominates diversity and makes diversity genuinely meaningful and constructive. See, which one in your life dominates? Is it kind of the unity or the individualistic side of you? Is it about kind of the I or the team? 
And that's so much of what he's pushing with the body. We need to see the one, the unity. It is not about though they are many, they are one. And this is kind of a fun thing that I looked into because it's the idea with the body of Christ and team, it's similar. So you think of the word team, there's a grammatical word for it because it's an Interesting when you think about it, is team singular or plural? I mean, in the end, you have to say singular, right? You say the team is, but it's not purely singular. And the term for it is, it's a collective noun, right? It is about the one. Unity must dominate. As we think of the church, we have to think of the one, not the many. Unity, unity, oneness must dominate. But we understand it is a collective. That is how God wants us to see his church as a collective unity, a collective singularity, if you will. So when you think of the church, do you think of a service, a building, or one interconnected, interrelated, interdependent entity? Is a body many organs or one organism? And that's how Paul is pushing us to see the church, to see it as one singular, interconnected organism, the body of Christ. So that's the illustration. So here's where I want to go this morning. I want to look at that illustration as we did, but then I want to spend the rest of the time thinking about the implication and the application of that. So if that is the truth, right, we are one body. And I mean that, like, think of our bodies What are all the implications of that? First, and this kind of dives back into last week, if we see the body the way God calls us to, that means all are gifted. That's the context, seeing kind of our different gifts in the body. And this is one of my favorite promises in all of Scripture. And this kind of dips back into last week, but it's so important. Look at this passage. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each is given a manifestation. All are gifted. If you are a Christian and you are part of a body, it is a promise of God. And I know some people don't feel it. And that's what the passage unpacks. Some people think, oh, I don't belong. Maybe sitting here, you don't feel like you're gifted. You don't feel worthy. You don't feel like you belong. So the question is, are you going to believe that emotion and call God a liar or believe the truth of God? God says, you, and that's each of us, are gifted. And sometimes I think it's so hard to wrap our heads around that fact that I am gifted I'm going to make us all say that together. It's three words. You can do it. I am gifted. Say it again like you mean it. I am gifted. That's a promise. You have something unique to offer that nobody else does. I always remember the illustration, right? It was like a snowflake. No two snowflakes are the same. You're a beautiful snowflake. (laughs) Nobody's, right? You are uniquely gifted like nobody else. There are things that God needs to do in this church that only you can do. That's a promise. To understand if the body, if we should be the body that way, that means I am gifted. And secondly, it means that all are necessary. 
See, the body, I heard one guy say it, refer to it as we are one symbiotic whole. That sounded fancy, and I wanted to sound fancy this morning, right? We are all one symbiotic whole. We are one unit that everybody needs to do their part, or it doesn't work. Look at the passage. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. The body is an interdependent system. If everything isn't working, it affects the whole thing. So you can't look at yourself or I can't look at anybody else and say, no, I don't need you. That means the interdependence that everybody is integral. And so you can't say, I don't belong, but you can't look down on somebody and say, I don't need them. I heard somebody say that phrase, I'm a church of one. No, you're not. (laughs) I just not what the body of Christ is. It is a collective noun. It is a collective one. It is one entity, one organism with many members. And so you should not feel like you can do this on your own. Right? That's where it got, it got silly. Like, you know, if you were just one big nose, do you remember the nasal spray commercial, this guy? <laughs> remember that thing? I don't want to keep it up too long because it creeps me out. I feel like I'm gonna, that's going to be my nightmares tonight, right? But like if you were just, if the body was one body part, how's this going to work? It doesn't make sense. The beauty of each organ is how it interplays with both. An eyeball working in the head is wonderful. An eyeball outside is weird. So you got to see the fact that all of us, right, the collective us, as you sit there, you don't just sit and come to a worship service. If you are a Christian, this is your home and partake as if you're outside the body. Everybody in the body, every part is integral and necessary. So I want you to see that. I want you to understand the necessity of everybody playing their part. Because here's the thing. If not everybody does, best case scenario, if you are a part of this body and you're not playing your role, best case scenario, scenario, you hinder this body from achieving all that God has for it. Worst case scenario, you're hurting the brother and sister in Christ next to you. Think of the body. We're caught on this race. Think about running a race without all your body parts working. Like think of, man, if your foot is hurt, you're gonna, you can go, but you're going to walk with a limp. Now, in high school, for me, it was cool to walk with a limp. Like, I remember that kind of limp. You know, I remember that. Like, I was, I'm not talking about that kind of limp. I'm talking like you're trying to run a race, And you're not going to go far because you need, it is necessary for everybody to be playing their part in their role. And if not everybody is using their gifts for God's kingdom and the the betterment of his church, we're not going to achieve all that God has for us. So that's kind of the hinder, but I think worst case scenario, it can even begin to hurt the body. What do we know? When something is hurting in your body, what do we do? Like if I have one bad knee and one good knee, what do I do? Compensate. And what's going to happen? I remember we were playing sports with somebody who had a bad knee and a good knee. They went out and popped a knee. Which one? The good knee. Because they were just compensating. And then it snapped the good one, right? We all have heard, I'm sure most of us have heard, the 80-20 rule. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. 
So what do you think is going to happen if we as a body, everybody else is overcompensating for those that aren't diving in and playing their part? Part of what I wrestle with is I'm not trying to like cause a guilt trip. Like I'm, I'm not trying to guilt you in, but that's just a reality of how a body works. If not everybody's doing their part, man, you can't achieve the task at hand, and then everybody else has to carry the weight and overcompensate for those not diving in. So I don't want you to just come and take from a body. I want you to be a part of it because you are necessary. I am necessary. Let's say that one together. I am necessary. And this is similar, but I think it is really good to point out. So all are gifted, all are necessary, but all are important. That is a huge crux of this passage, to understand how bodies work and to understand how the church works. You have to understand there aren't the super important super Christians and then just kind of, oh, you have people down here. Look, if you are a part of this church more than just going to a service, you are important. Look at the passage as it dives into it. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. Like, what if we really did that as a church? What if you really did that? We didn't value the way the world values. I mean, right, in our culture, is athletic gifting more valued than other gifts? And then we look at it like, I don't know. Maybe you were in a family where you had a golden child and their gifts were elevated above yours. How'd that feel? And then we do that in the church. Oh, because maybe you could do something on stage. You're really important and different than the people that are out in the parking lot right now. That's not right. That's not biblical. That's not how we should be. Right? Like the guys with the vests, are crucial, integral, and just as important to anybody else in the body. And what if we honored them that way? Like, if parking attendant guys don't get thanked more today than any other day, I'm not doing my job. <laughs> they know it's coming. I did it to them first week. But I want everybody, you're never supposed to look back. And now I'm going to kind of break the rule. Everybody stare at the tech booth. I'm serious. Right? The rest of the service, just look at them. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Those guys are just as important as anybody up here. That person in the sphere room teaching your kids right now is just as important as anybody on stage. I don't care what part you play. They're all important. So if you're in the sphere room, the diamond room, the trapezoid room, I don't know what all shapes they got back there. It gets crazy after a while. Listen, you are gifted, you are needed, and you are important. I'm going to make you say it as well. I am important. Let's say it together. I am important. And I know you don't feel that. Gosh, I don't feel that a lot of times. Feel like I matter, I'm as gifted. Do you notice how we compare? Somebody said that, right? When you want to feel good about yourself, which way did it go? It said the eye to the foot. Compare somebody who seems so different, you seem so far above. When you want to feel bad about yourself, 
what did it compare? The foot to the hand. Kind of the, the ear to the eye. Something just like you, but a little better. Right? We do that to ourselves. And we use that to beat ourselves up and make, oh, those look like the important people. That is not how the Bible should operate. It shouldn't be, I need you, and it shouldn't be, I don't belong. I heard somebody put it that way. The Bible eliminates elitism and defeatism. And I heard that way by Alistair, so it was nice with an accent. He's like, elitism or defeatism, these are true. You know, I was like, yeah. All right, unless I missed Jesus walking in here, none of you are perfect at this. I'm not perfect at this. I'm a spectrum guy. Where do you fall? You feel like, man, I, this church is lucky to have me, or man, I, I'm a teacher, I'm a singer, I got this. Or do you feel like you don't belong with all these good Christians that have it together? Listen, neither are true. There's no elites in here, and we don't want to be defeatists either. If God has called you to a body, he promises he's gifted you, that you are necessary and integral to the body of Christ, and you are important, and I don't care. Again, you don't feel like that. God gives the gifts. God's spirit is not unimportant. It's not a better parts of him. So let's celebrate that as if we really believe it. And finally, the final implication, all are one. Like, that's the big takeaway. In six verses, it uses the word one over and over. The collective is a single one. The unity of it. Do we believe that? That you just come and you're a part of this? I mean, think about it this way. As you come to church, are you a part of a we or an I? Is a church a them or an us? To be a part of the body means we are one. I love this verse that we already read, but I'm going to read it again, right? There may be no division in the body. Can you imagine that? There may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Can you imagine being a part of a church, a body that actually lives that out? Where nobody is treated better and more important than others, where it is equal care for all. And I like this. I can prove this to you if this is a point to understand the unity of the body. So I want you to do an experiment when you go home. So when you go home, I want you to take one of your shoes off. And I want you to find something like a dresser with a nice sharp corner. <laughs> and then I want you to straight like Jean-Claude Van Damme, just wham, like right into the corner. You have to sign a waiver if you're doing my experiment. <laughs> In that moment, we've all stubbed our toe. And I don't know why it's like one of the fiercest pains that we can experience. In that moment, just wham, you go, dang, toe, that's bad for you. I'm so sorry, toe. I feel like that, that hurts you real bad. Man, that stinks for you, toe. You go, right because i'm not separate from the toe it's one i am the toe if the toe hurts i hurt right when all are honored when one is honored 
all are honored. Do you see the church that way? In some ways, I like kind of ending with this passage before we shift to application. Because I think that's the beauty, right? That every commentator says, when it says the same care for one another, it's not strong enough of a word. Like of deep, genuine love for the people that you're in the body of Christ with. That is a big, strong word. Man, what if we really live this out with no division? All important, all cared for. But even this, the weep with those who weep is a good litmus test. That's the beauty of what we should be, but is that true of you? Like if something bad happens to somebody, kind of in this church or in the body that you're in, you go, oh, I feel so bad for them. Sorry, Toe. Sorry, Jane. That stinks. Or do you feel that pain with them? Like when this church launches a... You know, a missionary, when somebody in your group shares Christ and somebody comes to Christ, do you rejoice because it is a we, or do you say, wow, good for them? And if our reaction is more kind of, oh, that stinks for them, or though that's good for them, that's probably a good tell that you are not fully connected to the body as we are called to be. See, those are the implications You're gifted, important, necessary that we are one. And here's the reality. I hope you understand this. As a church, we need you to engage and use your gifts for the betterment of his kingdom. But you know what else is true? We need you, and you need us. How many Christians try to survive outside the body? That is so clear in the illustration. It got me thinking. Got a prop. The, I don't know if you've seen like the, the donor coolers. I didn't steal this from the church. I have a friend who has a cricket, so they hooked up. Right. <laughs> Human organ. There's not an organ in here. I looked into it, but apparently there's a waiting list for organs and props for sermons are super low on the list, you know. And it cracks me up. This is an aside. How they, you ever see? It's always like an igloo cooler. Like something you can buy at Drug Mart, and they got a human heart in there. It doesn't seem right to me that the same thing that carries the nurse's like white claw carries a heart. It's, it seems weird. <laughs> so, what we think of when organs get transplanted, right? It is. I was just talking to somebody in between. They knew a pilot. They would, they would fly organs. How scary is that, <laughs> right? How scary would that be? Why? this thing can't exist outside the body. A human heart, somewhere around five hours, it can exist outside the body. How long can the human soul stay detached from the body of Christ? See, the second the organ is detached from the body, you can put it on ice, you can slow it, but it instantly starts to decay because it doesn't have oxygenated blood running through it. In a matter of hours, that organ will begin to have cellular damage that becomes irreparable. How many Christians are existing like this? Outside the body, I'm okay, they're a bunch of hypocrites, I, don't, I mean, whatever your reason is, maybe the church hurt you, 
And so you think it'll be more healthy and you're going to have more health trying to exist outside the body. It doesn't work that way. That's not the way we're built. We were never meant to go at this alone. If you're in this case, I promise you, if that is how you're living, trying to exist, and I'm talking about more than just going to a service, it is not healthy for any of us. We need you, but you need us, right? The organism needs the organs, but the organ needs the organism. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ. I hope we understand that and view the church that way. So I want to close then. If that is the implications and reality of how we exist as Christians, what do we do with that? What is the application? One, I want you to stop complaining. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Stay connected, start serving, and ultimately show Jesus. And I don't don't mean that harsh, right? But we all have, maybe excuses is a better word, all the things we complain. I don't belong. I'm not good enough. It's not the real thing. I mean, we have all these excuses and reasons that are our feelings, but understand the truth of God and how we were meant to exist. Maybe you feel elitist or defeatist. I don't know what it is for you. Stop complaining and stop comparing too, right? That's the big thing, the eye and the ear. You think, oh, I'm not as gifted as them or, oh, I'm not as good as them. I don't belong. That is not true. You are gifted. You belong here and have value. But if you stay outside the body, it's hard, right, for us to achieve all that God has for us. So I want you to kind of whatever the excuse you are to finally get past them, to look at getting connected. Like get connected in a group, not just on Sunday. Get connected in a community group, men's and women's group. Maybe you're a new transplant to us and you haven't before. There is still time. Dive into Redemption 101. I looked. I didn't plan this, but I talked to Pastor Austin. Today is the last full day. Registration closes down tomorrow to get plugged in. Like, I want you to stop making excuses. It reminds me of the final scene of Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick because it's the same template of movie. Everything reminds me of Top Gun, but this one really fits. (laughs) Right? It's the final fight scene. And Maverick's flying, oh, no good, talk to me, Coos, talk to me, Coos, no good, no good. And everybody is like, get in the fight, Mav. Your brothers and sisters next to you are in a dog fight, a spiritual battle. They need you. And we're saying, oh, no good, I got volleyball, I got soccer, no good, I got to put on a new patio, no good, no good. Stop with the excuses, whether it be personal, whatever it is. This is a spiritual battle. Your brothers and sisters in Christ need you, the uniquely gifted one, by God. And maybe you've been around for a while. Maybe you just need to re-engage. Get back in a group. Find that place. So get connected in a group, but then start serving. Find a place to get plugged in. Get in a group where you are, can care. We just sang that, you know, so where somebody can help you carry your burdens. You can help them carry yours. That's how we're designed to be in the body. But start serving. Like, I don't know what my gifts are. Start serving somewhere. Start serving out in the parking lot. You could be great at it. I don't know. 
You'd be like one of those cops that like dances as they're like doing it. Like you might be awesome at it. Just do something. And then you start to figure out. Some of you know if you're a teacher, are you teaching and using that gift for the kingdom? Start serving. Get plugged in. Go on our website. Maybe 101 if you haven't been to. But you are desperately needed. Then we, I mean, we read that verse, right, of no divisions, of all cared for equally. If we do that, then we start to show this world Jesus, right? We want to make God known. How do we do that? The body of Christ. They will know we are Christians by the way that we love each other. The way to make Jesus known is to get connected to the body and use your gifts to his glory. And I love that he even got beyond gifts. Right? Did you see that? He's got, kind of talking about spiritual gifts, but then he kind of got into kind of slave or free, you know, Jew or Gentile. And I found this a convicting kind of quote that I want to share with you as we're closing down. Racial prejudice and social stereotypes are supposed to be submerged and put to death in baptism, but all too frequently these evils survive the experience. This picture of the body where everybody is a child of God. There aren't favorites. And it doesn't matter what you look like, how much money you have. What if we really lived like that and allowed baptism to do what it was meant to do and drown and put to death the evils of this world so we can be the beautiful body of Christ we were meant to be? Not a bunch of individual members, but many members together as one show in this world. It's not just we need someone to cut donuts. I mean, we do, so cut donuts too. It's more than that. We want this world to know who Jesus is. And that happens when we operate as one body of Christ. Can you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, I ask for your help, your spirit to guide. God, we are so, so controlled by the messages of this world to value people the way the world values, to divide the way the world divides. Father, would you convict us? Will you help us to be different? To understand that it's not just about me as an individual, but it is about being a part of the body of Christ. For those existing outside of your body, would you give them the wisdom, the courage to take steps to get plugged in? Father, then that we can get to be what you had in mind for this local church, for your glorious church. Father, that we would move forward in this race that you have given to us running and clicking on all cylinders in the beautiful body, working together is one. And we pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen.